Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. That's in the United States, except for people on, well, actually, uh, it's it's, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, so it's morning all across the United States and around the world. It may not be for some areas uh, in the world, but uh, shalom, peace. My name is Kennard. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God Biblical Instructional Program. Uh, today we're going to talk about the. Um, we're going to begin talking about the seven churches. Our Lord and Master Yeshua stated in Revelation chapter one. Let's turn to Revelation chapter one. Beginning in verse 20, he states that the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches. So that is the biblical interpretation of the uh, candlesticks. Uh, There's seven of them and um, he tells you what they are, and also those um, seven menorahs or candlesticks uh, represents a church. And what I'm going to do here over the next several weeks is uh, go over a little more in detail what he describes each assembly, uh, their positive characteristics and their negative characteristics. Now keep in mind that this book, the, the whole theme of the book of Revelation is really uh, the end times, in particular uh, this century, because, uh, again, I, I, it's beyond my comprehension to see how this world can continue on with the problems that it currently has, is, or has, rather, has, is, have for 87 years. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's is, uh, beyond my human comprehension. Uh, we in the United States and around the world currently is embracing homosexuality in a way that uh, has not been done since the days of Noah and Lot. And um, that is a sign, ladies and gentlemen, a very significant sign that society is on its way out. And the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 24 is being fulfilled as I speak. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 24. Isaiah chapter 24 is linked with Matthew chapter 24. Both chapters, it's 
talking about the, the coming of the Messiah and the tremendous destruction that's going to precede that. Isaiah chapter 24, verse 1 states this. It says, I mean, let me I'll say this in the King James Version. It says, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Verse 2, And it shall be as with the people, so with the priests, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. So uh, this um, major event in world history is going to affect everyone. That's what verse 2 is really saying. Then verse 3, the land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. It's not Canard speaking, and he's just using Canard to tell you use the mouth that he uh, used. Well, what am I trying to say? He gave me a mouth, <laughs> and I'm using it right now, um, my voice. Uh, but these are his words, all I'm doing. That's all a, a minister or a preacher is supposed to do is preach his word. Unfortunately, uh, many of them today, as prophesied by the Messiah, don't do that. Uh, verse 3, the land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. In verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 24, the earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish. What does languish mean hebraically? Let's take a look. Um, Isaiah 24 and then uh, languisheth. Uh, it says it means amal, it means to droop, to be sick. So he's saying the world right now is sick, and it fades away. Uh, this world is going to pass away, ladies and gentlemen. Hold your place here in Isaiah chapter 24, and let's turn to, you know, don't love this world, because it's not going to be around for long, folks. I mean, it's, it's, it's despicable to God, and, and it should be despicable to you, I mean, the things that are happening as I'm speaking, uh, the, the cause um Utter chaos. First John two verse seventeen states here. Well, actually, let's go to first two verse fifteen. Well, let me uh, read first John two verse fourteen. It says, "I have written unto you, fathers, and some of my spiritual fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning." I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So it is certainly possible in this walk, ladies and gentlemen, to overcome the wicked one. The word of God says so. Verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, what's in the world, folks? If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, pornography, um, that's a good example of the lust of the flesh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that, that is something that uh, is so destructive. Uh, I was just reading something recently in the States that you know, it was stating or revealing that pornography causes brain damage and is worse than cocaine and heroin. If you don't have 
Yah or God in your life, it is impossible, virtually impossible to overcome that problem. And you've got to do whatever you can to eliminate that issue. Because if you don't, uh, you lose your eternal life. And uh, many people are plagued by that. And uh, you have to do all you can. There's uh, various Internet filters that you can use. Um, there are tools out there to help you with that problem. And see, what it does, too, it helps you. It, it, it contributes to wasting your time. You can't think straight. You can't function straight. And all you got to do, if you want more information about that, and if you have that problem, um, type in um, uh, in the search engines, um, pornography causes brain damage. The reason why I'm talking about that is because I know that the devil has used that to destroy people. I just know it. And and people that are hooked to that, and there's many people because it's a, it's a over $500 billion industry worldwide. A lot of people are hooked to that stuff uh, in this country and around the world. Uh, it's, it's not helping you. Uh, it's not blessing you. It's destroying you. And you need to repent of that, uh, both men and women that, that get involved in that. And, of course, the people that uh, are actually actors in the pornography films, they need to repent of that as well. Um, that's something that Yah does not like. Um, actually, let me um, call the scripture here in Hosea. Hosea, chapter 4, uh, verse 6, it states plainly, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee that thou shall be no priest to me, seeing that seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. And then he, if I can go down here, he talks about in verse 11, says whoredom, which is fornication, uh, committing adultery, uh, Yeshua plainly stated in the Gospels that if you lust after a woman or a man, uh, if you're a woman, uh, you have already committed adultery in your heart. So, <laughs> Uh, we we got to avoid that. Pornography means fornication. Uh, pornilia, that's the, the Greek for fornication. And it says right here, whoredom and wine and new wine take away the mind or the heart. It takes away your mind, ladies and gentlemen. It cer certainly, and it allows demons to possess or take control of your mind as well. So I'm spending some time on that because I know that's a that's a big issue with a lot of people in this country. Uh, and it's semi-porn in our um, television programs. They they have women looking almost naked uh, in our sporting events. The cheerleaders, they look almost naked. Uh, so it, it's just uh, it's a plague in this country. And I need to speak out. I, don't, I haven't spoke out on it. Um, well, I haven't spoken out on it uh, in a long time. But it, it's a plague. It, along with the homosexuality, the rampant homosexuality. They, of course, have gay porn. They have all types of abominations. So uh, I was just also reading that cocaine can cause men to become homosexuals uh, against their will because uh, the drug heightens their uh, senses, and, and they just want pleasure. They don't care how they get it from a, a woman or a man. You know? So, so it, I'm just telling you all these, these things. You need to be aware of this wickedness that's going on in the world, 
and and you need to repent of these things. God is is tired of all this stuff, and uh, unfortunately, in the Book of Revelation, it states plainly in Revelation chapter nine, if you go all the way to the bottom, it states uh, um, when He unleashes uh, the the sixth um, trumpet, the sixth trumpet. Amazingly, people still, a good bunch of people in the world still are going to uh, not repent. And in Revelation 9, verse 20, it says, And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver, in other words, money, and brass and stone and wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk, neither did they repent of their murders, of their sorceries, of their fornication, as pornelia, or pornography, uh, harlotry, uh, nor any of their thefts, okay? So this is a major plague uh, that God is fully aware of, and and uh, Yeshua is fully aware of it, and uh, we got to take it serious, ladies and gentlemen. It has contaminated our society, and that's why our kids are having babies before they're able to afford them, and that's why... In high school, that's really what it's all about, sex, 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 and more sex. You know, girls are wearing tight jeans, and it's just a, an abomination. It really certainly is an abomination, and you've got to do all you can. Take the television away from your house. The television is a waste of time. There's nothing, hardly anything on television today uh, to stimulate uh, intellectual growth, healthy intellectual growth. Uh like I said, uh, you have kids, uh, you need to put the filter on, not only for your kids, for you too, if you want to be totally honest with yourself. Um, the thing about the Internet that's dangerous is that whatever wicked thoughts you have, you can just type in the, in the Google search engine, and it pops up. <laughs> so it's the modern, uh, it's the modern uh, knowledge tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It, it's some good uses to the Internet, but there's certainly some bad ones. So, um, and if any of you are having issues with porno or looking at some something else, it may be something else. You may like to see murders on the Internet or some other abominable thing. Whatever it is, whatever your vice is, uh, please email me, all right? Email me, canard uh, at mercifulserviceofgod.com. I can give you some suggestions towards some uh, Internet filters uh, that would help you. Uh, avoid those things so that you can overcome uh, the plague of uh, being addicted to uh, pornography or some other um, thing that you may have an issue with online. But you, you know, you need to take the television away, um, put certain internet filters if you need to. Some people don't have the issue, but if you want to be honest with yourself, a lot of people do. And and uh, do whatever you need to do. You have to flee the problem. It says flee fornication. You don't embrace it. You flee it. And that's just not for fornication, but for any sin, you flee it. You have to flee it because if you don't flee it, it's going to get you and overcome you. And you don't want to be overcome by sin. All right. So um, I have 29 minutes left here. I usually go over um, world news. Actually, let me go over Isaiah chapter 24 here. I got 
see. Verse 4 says, The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish. Verse 5, The earth also is defiled. Uh, Nomath, it means uh, corrupt under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws. And I kind of mentioned to you how corrupt it is with the homosexuality, the pornography, uh, a lot of other things. Um, they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant, which is the all the commandments of, of Yah. In verse 6, Therefore has the curse devoured the earth. So when we break the commandments, we get cursed. And they that dwell there and are desolate, therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. And see, and that's, that's where we're going, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, that's where we're going. And in Matthew chapter 24, which is prophetically linked to Isaiah chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, uh, beginning in uh, verse 15, I did a Bible study on this about the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. I suggest you study it. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 15, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. And holy place in the New Testament is talking about a built temple, ladies and gentlemen, despite what some people are falsely preaching. Uh, stand in the holy place. So he's telling you that a temple will be built again, just like a, a temple was already built during the times of Antiochus Epiphanes, which I explained, who was a type of the Antimessiah in the program that I gave recently uh, on the prophetic significance of Hanukkah. Please listen to that program. It's very important that you do so at this time. Verse 16, Then let them which be in Judea or the West Bank flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Verse 18, Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on a Shabbat day. Verse 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor nor ever shall be. Verse 22, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. No human being on the earth would exist. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. And, of course, there's going to be few men based, you know, the population in the world right now is 7 billion people. So it's not going to be too many people on the earth based on the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 24, verse 6, when the, time, when the, when the Messiah comes back. But there will be enough people to populate the earth again. But that's what sin causes, ladies and gentlemen. That's what homosexuality uh, let me quote this. I know this isn't, isn't a popular scripture to quote, but this is what homosexuality does, folks. I, I have to quote this. Uh, I know this is not a popular scripture to quote, but I have to. It's God's words, and I'm going to quote it. Leviticus 18, verse 22. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Abomination in Hebrew is uh, to eyeball. And it means an abhorrence. An abhorrence. It's disgusting to God. And then he equates this in the context of um, bestiality, which I hope you understand uh, is an abomination. But I did, I do hear from people, they're going to try to make that a law, that you could have sex with animals, you know. 
legally. Uh, but anyway, Leviticus 18, verse 23, Neither shall thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down there. It is confusion. They have that kind of stuff online, too, unfortunately. I have to speak out on these things sometimes, ladies and gentlemen. It's it's an abomination. And and you're fooling yourself. You know, uh, you've got to to get rid of that issue if you have it. And I know people have it because people are spending money on it. That's why I'm talking about it. Lots of money. I know many people, they pay for pornography. They're sick. Anyway, Leviticus 18, verse 24. You should look at it in the first place, but when you pay for it, that's even worse. Leviticus 18, verse 24. Defile not yourselves in any of these things. And and this whole chapter is really a chapter on fornication, which is having sex before marriage. It involves masturbation. It involves um, all kinds of, of, of sexual perversion. Because that's a selfish act when you to yourself instead of having a loving partner that you're married to help you be sexually fulfilled you don't sexually fulfill yourself that's a selfish act so I must speak out on these things Uh, Leviticus 18 verse 24 defile not yourselves in any of these things and all these the nations are defiled that's how nations or, or people become defiled which I cast out before you so homosexuality you defile yourself Yah, neither's the Yah or God, I and any other loving person does not hate homosexuals or uh, prostitutes or people that have a, an addiction to pornography, etc. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, etc. <laughs> Let me drink some water. I'll be right back. Okay, that's better. But we love you, but we don't like the wickedness. I don't like the wickedness in me. You should hate that wickedness. And the Bible plainly states in Proverbs chapter 8, hold your place in Leviticus 18, verse 24, Proverbs chapter 8, beginning in verse 13, it states plainly, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way. So, one of the traits of the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So you must hate pornography, hate fornication, hate homosexuality, hate uh, any violation of, of, of the commandments. Because the opposite of the commandments is the devil's commandments. And we are, we're going to obey someone. If you don't obey God, you're obeying the devil. If you don't obey the devil, you're obeying God. Okay, so... <laughs> We can't say that uh, we're not under the obedience of someone here. The question is, who who is it? Is it God or is it Hasatan or the devil? That's that's something that you need to consider. Anyway, getting to this uh, prophecy here about the plague of fornication, which homosexuality is certainly a part of. Fornication, again, is the wrong use of sex. Uh, Leviticus 18, verse 25, in the land is defiled which is under a state of decay. And it means tama in Hebrew in this particular passage, Leviticus 18, verse 25, especially in ceremonial or moral sense, contaminated. Society is contaminated 
by homosexuality. Therefore, I do visit the iniquity there. So he's going to visit the iniquity or, or punish, charge. All right. And the land itself shall vomit out her inhabitants. That's what's going to be happening, ladies and gentlemen, very soon here. It says, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgment and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation or any stranger that sojourn among you. For all these abominations have the men of the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled, that the land spew you not out, or spew not you out also when you defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Okay? So, ladies and gentlemen, the word of God is, is pretty plain about the plague of, of homosexuality, pornography, and, and any other sexual plague that anyone may, bestiality, it's all kinds of perversion, ladies. I'm not going to go into vivid detail. I don't have to. I'm sure you know. But we as a nation have really, really got it bad when it comes to the sexual perversion, ladies and gentlemen. And, I, you know, I'm going to speak out on it more. I, I need to, to inspire the people that listen to me to repent, to repent of this wickedness, ladies and gentlemen. And we, you know, sex is good great he wants you to have plenty of it but you should have it in marriage and if you desire it that bad folks you need to get married <laughs> okay in first corinthians chapter seven it says uh in verse one here now concerning the things where he wrote of me it is good for a man not to touch a woman or vice versa verse two ne nevertheless to avoid fornication pornelia harlotry that's what that word is in the original Greek. That's where they get pornography from. Uh, the Greek for that is pornelia. Let every man have his own wife, or, you know, let every woman have her own husband. And let every woman, yeah, that's what it says here. And let every woman have her own husband. Okay? So if you want and desire sex, that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with sex. But. He wants you to have it in the right way. Get married. Do it the right way. Don't cheat. Be married to somebody. Don't go cheat. Go, just, just have more sex with your, your, your mates. Etc. Do the best you can to, to look good for your, your mates. Uh, both, both of you. Exercise. You know, although... The love should grow to a point where looks should make a difference, but, you know, it does help. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with, it, with having your partner look as good as they can. I mean, what, what's the matter with that? I mean, Adam and Eve certainly were attracted to each other. I know Adam was when he saw Eve. Hey, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. You know? so, so it's important for married couples to do all they can to remain attracted to each other physically, but more importantly, spiritually as well. Both should be a balance. So, I hope I've inspired some people to, uh, not just the sin of fornication, but sin in general. Just get rid of it. There was a uh, friend of mine uh, that gave an excellent uh, Bible study uh, yesterday about avoiding sin. And we, we need to, to take it serious and, and get rid of it. 
in our lives, you know, because so, it's very important to do so. All right, world events. Uh, let me just quickly go to, let's see, watch.org. I'm just going to quickly go there and uh, see if there's any significant uh, world news going on in the Middle East. All right, he says, Netanyahu denies Israel pushing ahead with plans for 24,000 new settlement units. Again, we were having this issue with um, uh, the United Nations trying to get... uh, Israel to stop acting like they don't deserve to be in that land and so forth, and and it's just uh, and then we're we're trying to work deals with people. And uh, let me just again, this is simple prophecy in Judges here. Uh, Judges chapter two kind of explains the situation today uh, that the Jews are in in, in Israel in the little um, country of Israel. It says. Judges 2, verse 1, And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you into the land which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I would never break my agreement or covenant with you. And you shall make no league or agreement with the inhabitants of the land. And what is Israel trying to do? What is uh, the Jews trying to do right now? They're trying to make an agreement with them. And that's why they're having these problems, as this prophecy will reveal here. You shall throw down their altars. They haven't. They have not done that. They've allowed the uh, the uh, Muslim mosque and, 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 and other things there to be in that land. But you have not obeyed my voice, and they haven't done it to this day. Why have you done this? Verse 3, wherefore I also said I will not drive them out from before you, and he hasn't. They're still there, right, Palestinians? But they shall be as thorns in your sides. Oh, boy, is that a prophecy. And their God shall be a snare unto you. It's the reason why it will remain until Israel stops trying to make agreements with the Palestinians. Plain and simple as that. Someone needs to email that scripture or, or send that scripture to Netanyahu, and he needs to take it seriously. Judges 1. Um, Judges chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Let him read that and study it. Anybody listening to me that's in Israel... Please, make him aware of that scripture. Maybe he's not. Because I know, you know, the Jews, they focus too much on the first five books of, of the Tanakh. But you need to focus on the rest of it, too. So, let's find out. I mean, it's a good thing they do that, but there's some other significant scriptures that, that in the Tanakh. I'm not even talking about the, the New Testament scriptures or the apostolic scriptures, but in the Tanakh that you need to pay attention to. And this is one of them. It explains the reason why they have the problem that they have today. And why, if they continue to try to seek agreements with the Palestinians, all they're gonna, all it's going to do is cause curses. You know, we, we just got to obey the great God. If we do that, everything will go well with us. If we don't, it won't. Plain and simple as that. Stop thinking you, you have a better way. There's no better way but God's way, folks. All right. I'm done ranting. Well, about 
problems, uh, the social problems of the world anyway, <laughs> in Israel. So let's talk about the assembly. And Hebraically, that's what church means. It means assembly, all right? And it doesn't mean a church building. It means a group of people assembling at a location. Uh, in, in the first century, because primarily most of the, actually the, the first believers were Jewish, and they were going to synagogues, and once other people, other Jews, found out that other Jews believed in the Messiah, they separated themselves from them and kicked them out of the synagogues. And so what did they do? Well, they, they worshipped in their homes. And you have some people that are wet behind the ears, basically just getting to understand that uh, Jesus is a Jew, duh. You know, uh, and I, that's, I, you know, I was guilty of that too. You know, I was like, duh, Jesus is a Jew. You know, oh, didn't he didn't he uh, keep the Jewish tradition? Some of them, yes. Uh, didn't he? Because uh, he said, uh, we know what we worship. So he grouped himself with Jews. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. That's what he said in John chapter 4, verse 22. So uh, he endorsed the Judaism of that day, but he, he tells us to be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees of the Sadducees. As long as they are teaching correctly, um, using Moses as their um, guide, uh, the first five books, or the whole Tanakh for that matter, and for those who believe in the Messiah, the Jews that believe in the Messiah, the whole entire Bible, then you should accept it. And if, you, and if they don't, then you don't accept it. All right? So, um, but anyway, uh, the assembly, oh, I was going to turn to Romans chapter uh, 16 to prove my point here about uh, verse 5. Uh, and there's other scriptures too. In Romans 16 verse 5, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. So there were churches in the first century, and you have it confirmed by this scripture and there's other scriptures that you can look at as well, that there were actually organized assemblies of believers worshiping in their homes. And so I, you know, I get some people, well, you know, Kenara, uh, you want to lead over us. Uh, you know, we, we came out of these churches and, you know, we're all on equal footing and, and uh you know, in other words, we're all we're all shepherds. Well, no, uh, there, there's there's sheep and there's shepherds. Not everyone is qualified to be a shepherd, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, just because, and we're going to get into this today because it's, it's, I need to clarify some things about uh, Nicolaitanism. Uh, some people have listened to some teachings of some ministers, and sure. Yeshua does not want people to be controlled and ruled over. Because, you know, yeah, even God doesn't control us. He, he gives us free choice and free will. However, there still must be organization and government in a family. That's the reason why many families are, <laughs> are in a messed up situation, because there's no proper leadership. Well, the same thing with our spiritual family. If you don't have proper leadership with the spiritual family, it's not going to be, it's not going to grow, and people aren't going to learn like they should. So, it, uh, authority, following authority, never goes away, folks. That that will always be in your life, even uh, when you enter the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of God. It's a government, uh, and you will be ruled over, and you will rule too if you overcome. So let, let's understand there's only one being in the universe that does not kneel to anyone, and that's 
the Father. Even Yeshua must submit to his Father. All right, so let's understand something. There's always going to be authority. People are going to be telling us what to do. And if you have a problem with that, then you have some serious issues. So I just want to clarify that. So anyway, um, let's, let's turn to Revelation chapter 2. Uh, and to the angel of the assembly of Ephesus, right, these things says he that holds the seven stars in, the, in his right hand, who walketh in the midst, or in the middle of the seven golden candlesticks. All right. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how you cannot bear them which are evil. So this is the positive traits. And thou hast tried them which say, or tested them, to say that they are apostles. So this is a prophecy, and there's going to be people that are going to say they're prophets, apostles, and, and so forth, and their works show that they're not. So, you know, again, you, you have to, you have to um, always test someone. I mean, there's false prophets, and there's true prophets. That's the same thing with an apostle, evangelist, or pastor, or whatever. So you, you need to... To, to look at their behavior and see whether or not they are who they say they are. All right? So thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and, and are not and hast found them to be liars. And, of course, you can tell by their behavior and what they teach, whether or not they truly are apostles or prophets or evangelists or whatever. All right? Verse 3, and has born and has patience, and for my name's sake you have labored. So another positive trait. You have to have patience, and you, 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 you have to labor, work, okay? And, you, uh, um, and it says they have not fainted. Now, here's, no, here's another thing. Whenever you correct someone, this is a prime example, ladies and gentlemen, and particularly ministers, please listen up. Someone, always say the positive first. Before you say that I've been guilty of this, oh boy, have I been guilty, but I'm working on it uh, where when I have to correct the sheet, I say the positive first, and then I gently say the negative. I mean gently, very gently, okay? There's some cases where you can't be gentle. If somebody's beating the mess out of someone, you're going to have to raise your voice. That's understandable, but in a lot of cases, you can be gentle when you're correcting, all right? So verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because you have left your first love. And this word love is agape. Uh, that's the highest love. And that means keeping the commandments in Second John 1, verse 6. Keeping the commandments toward other people, loving your neighbor as yourself. So they left their first love. They left the ability of keeping the commandments on a consistent basis, and you don't want to do that. Verse 5, Remember, therefore, from hence you are fallen, and repent, do teshuva, change, and do the first work. So, again, love is about doing something. It's not about just sitting there and saying, okay, the blood of Messiah, the blood of Messiah cleansed me. That's not what it's about. It's about doing something, ladies and gentlemen. Do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will what? Remove thy candlestick out of its place, except you repent. You have to repent. But this thou hast, that you hate the deeds of the, here we go again, deeds of the Nicolaitans, which also I hate. 
And I'm going to get into that here. Verse 7, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So this is a message not just to this particular church. Um, let me just read a little bit of what John Gill says about this. Of the city of Ephesus, the church here seems to have been founded by the Apostle Paul, who continued there two years, by which means all Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so it says, it is named first because it was the largest, most populous, and famous, and was near to Patmos, where John now was, and most known to him, it being the place where he had resided. And it was the place from whence the gospel came to others and spread itself in lesser Asia. But especially, but especially, it is first written, too, because it represented the church in the apostolic age, so that this letter contains the things which are, which are, okay? So... And you could do more studies on the history of Ephesus, but the main thing is it's prophetic. It's just using that and saying these same characteristics will be prevalent in the end time in the 21st century. And it is, ladies and gentlemen. So in verse 7, he says, He that have an ear, he that have an ear, listen to what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise, or in the midst of the paradise of God, which is again Eden. So there is a there is a garden of Eden in heaven, ladies and gentlemen. That's another Bible study, but there is a garden of Eden in heaven. Yes, it is. Everything on the earth is patterned after heaven. So the tree of life is symbolic of immortality, which is in the middle of the paradise of God, and will be able to eat of that of the fruit of that tree should we overcome. All right, so this is why it's very important to overcome. Let's get back to Nicolaitans here because people have been deceived by this and they think that, oh, Nicolaitans, uh, that means that I don't have to obey anyone, you know, or, you know, because I understand the truth now that the world is in Babylon confusion, then I don't have to obey anyone. Well, that's not what it's saying. It says, Though these Christians had left their first love, yet they bore a hatred to the filthy and impure practices of some men who were called Nicolaitans who committed fornication, adultery. And I just got through talking about that, folks, in the beginning of this program. <laughs> fornication, adultery, and uncleanness, and had their wives in common, and also ate things off of the idols who were so-called. So think, for Nicholas of Antioch, one of the seven deacons, though as to Nicholas himself, it is said that he lived with his two lawful married wife and no other. But anyway, uh, said Dr. Lightfoot conjectures that these Nicolaitans were not so-called so from any man, but from the word Nicola, let us eat, which were often used to encourage each other to eat things off the idols. However, this be, it is certain that there was such a set of men whose deeds were hateful, but neither their principles nor their practices obtained much in this period of time. So, and then when you look up this word Nicolaitans, it means people that are trying to control you, control you, all right? But um, I'm going to spend a little more time on this. Um, That's like one minute and 17 seconds left because I want to make sure you understand what the doctrine of the Nicolaitans really is. So um, if I get cut off, um, you can listen to the rest of this program in its entirety. I apologize, but sometimes uh, <laughs> the Spirit leads me to go into detail about something that is very significant. And so I need to straighten this understanding out about the Nicolaitans because, many, you know, there's some people in the Messianic circles and some people that are learning the truth that thinks that 
uh, well, because Nicolaitans are controlling and they were trying to control people, then uh, there's no leaders in the assembly, even in the home, and that's not that's not true. So I, I want to clarify that. So in Matthew chapter 20, let's understand what he told the disciples here about uh, being a chief and wanting to uh, lead and all that. So let me let me see if I can find this scripture here. But it's a very significant scripture here, and we need to, to analyze it here a little more in detail so we understand what he said. Yeah, Matthew chapter 20. Let's turn there. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25. Matthew 20, verse 25. But Yeshua called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And so that that's that's what this all this is about. Uh dominion in, in the Greek means uh cat orio and it means the Lord against the control, the subjugate. Okay? And you get that uh when you go to your jobs and so forth, there is a, a certain controls and some of them are righteous control, actually many of them, because just on your job they they understand the plague of pornography <laughs> and so they have internet filters at your job, understandably. You know, uh, and like I said, uh, it is highly suggested that each and every person have internet filters at home, as well. Um, so, because because you know we we are all have a tendency to be wicked, folks, and you know, we need to have safeguards. But anyway, um, Matthew chapter twenty verse twenty five, and Yeshua called them unto him and said. You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. Verse 26, but it shall, be, it shall not be so among you. Okay, he's talking to his disciples. Whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or servant or diakonos. This is the word for being a deacon, basically. All right. Uh, verse 27, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be the servant. Let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, so he came to be a deacon, a deacon, so an attendant, all right? So he's humbling himself, though. So that's what a leader should uh, be. Uh, like someone may have the function of an apostle, but you should have a humble attitude of being a deacon. All the elders should, because all the elders, as I'm going to show you, there is a there is a priority of ministries within the elders. Okay, uh, and then there's a scripture that reveals that. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many, for many. All right, so he's not saying. And people read this and say, oh, okay, I came out of the pagan churches, then, you know, we're all shepherds now. No, you're not all shepherds, folks. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's um, read this here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And God has set some in the church, 
first apostles, and this is um, priority of ministries here, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And then verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? No, they don't. But desire earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. So if you want these gifts, then you should desire them. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this to you because this is scriptural proof to tell you that there is an authority structure among the elders, folks. All right, and and first Peter, chapter five, verse one. It says, "The elders which are among you, I exhort, whom also an elder." So this is Peter, and he's calling himself an elder. So an apostle is an elder. A pastor is an elder. A bishop is an elder. They're all elders. They're all elders. All right? And a witness of the sufferings of Messiah and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Verse 2, feed the flock of God. So that's our primary responsibility, ladies and gentlemen. The elders, and it should be not just one. Now, of course, if there's a new assembly being set up, of course there's going to be a one initially, but that elder should immediately uh, seek some men that he can train to be elders, men that obviously have the ability, and not everyone has the ability to be an elder, folks. Verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy liqueur. Uh, Let me read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. Verse 2, just as shepherds watch over the sheep, you must watch over everyone. God is placed in your care. Do it willingly in order to please God and not simply because you think you must. Let it be something you want to do instead of something you do merely to make money. And unfortunately, this is another plague uh, among ministry in this country, even among uh, some messianic groups. Uh, It's all about money, unfortunately. It's not about showing the people and teaching the people to to repent and to become better people. And then verse 3, it says, Don't be bossy to those people who are in your care, but set an example for them. Verse 4, Then when Christ, the chief shepherd, returns, you will be given a crown that will never lose its glory. Now, let me turn to, this is an epistle that's probably not read too often, but it should be in in, in light of understanding what a Nicolaitan is. Uh, 3 John, um, Third John, the third epistle of John. The third epistle of John. So let's start and get the context here. Um, the third, uh, the third epistle of John, uh, chapter one, verse seven. <coughs> when they left to tell others about the Lord, they decided not to accept help from anyone who wasn't a follower. The third epistle, John chapter 1, verse 7. When they left to tell others about the Lord, they decided not to accept help from anyone who wasn't a follower. We must support people like them so that we can take part in what they are doing to spread the truth. Actually, let me read this whole, this is a, a great epistle. Let me just read it because it, it certainly will help 
us understand who Nicolaitan is. Um, the third epistle, John, chapter 1, from the church leader to my dear friend Gaius, I love you because we follow the truth. What's the truth? Psalm 119, verse 142, uh, obeying the commandments. Verse 2, dear friend, and I pray that all goes well for you. I hope that you are as strong in body as I know you are in spirit. I'm reading this in, complete, in the, oh, the contemporary English version. Let me read this in the uh, complete Jewish Bible version here. Yeah, let me read this in the complete Jewish Bible version. Um, the third epistle of John, the whole one, the whole, because um, it's a very short epistle, it's only about 14 verses. It says, from the elder to dear Gaius, whom I love in truth. Dear friend, I am praying that everything prosper with you and that you be in good health. I have a book that I recommend people get. It's called Thou Shall Prosper by um, Daniel Lapkin or Lapkin. Uh, calls himself Rabbi, and it's an excellent book. I'm reading it, and it's, it's, it says, Thou shalt prosper, Rabbi Daniel Lapin. I'm sorry, not Lapkin, L-A-P-I-N. Thou shalt prosper, the Ten Commandments for Making Money. And this is one of the best books I believe you can ever buy, and, and it really will give you information on how to, to make money God's way. Anyway, Again, let's start out if I can ever get through. <laughs> let's uh, continue to, to read um, the third epistle of John, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. From the elder in the complete Jewish Bible version. From to dear Gaius, whom I love in truth. Dear friend, I am praying that everything prosper with you and that you be in good health as I know you are prospering spiritually. For I was so happy when some brothers came and testified how faithful you are to the truth as you continue living in the truth. You have to live in the truth. Verse 4, nothing gives me greater joy than hearing that my children are living in the truth. So this is John, the elder, and our the sheep that we shepherd are our spiritual children. Verse 5, dear friend, you are faithful in all the work you are doing for brothers even when they are strangers to you. And so they certainly understand agape here. They didn't lose their first love here. Verse 6, they have testified to your love in front of the congregation. You will be doing well if you send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. Verse 7, since it was for the sake of Hashem that they went out without accepting anything from the going. Uh, let me convert this over to the King James Version here. Okay, verse 7 of the third epistle of John. I'm going to read this in the King James Version the rest of the way. Because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. Verse 8. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellowshippers to the truth. Or fellow helpers to the truth. And let's look that word up in the original Hebrew of uh, Greek. Soon ergos. And it means a co-laborer. Companion in labor. Okay. Verse 9. Now, I wrote unto the church, but diatrephus who love to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Now, this is what Yeshua is talking about. People that want to have the preeminence, people that want to be the chief, that want to rule over people and control people. That's what Diotrephus is, and he's the perfect example of what Yeshua was talking about in terms of Nicolaitanism. He's not saying there should not be authority or leaders in an assembly. He's saying that <coughs> those leaders should not be like Diotrephus who loveth to have the preeminence among them. The word preeminence in the Greek is filled up 
ratyo, and it means to be being first, being ambitious, just wanting to rule over everybody. All right? And he was not receiving the sheep. Verse 10, Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, practicing against us with malicious words, and not content there, neither does he himself receive the brethren, and forbid them that would, and cast them out of the church. And that's sad, but that's that's Nicolaitanism right there. Uh, verse 11, Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that does evil has not seen God. And so he's talking about someone else here. He says, uh, in contrast to, to Diotrephus, he says, uh, Demetrius, have a good report of all and of the truth itself, yes. And we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. And verse 13, I have many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face, peace or shalom to thee. Our friends salute thee, greet the friends by name. And so that's an excellent epistle to really understand basically what Nicolaitanism is. And yes, it, it involves um, sin. It involves people trying to control one another. All right. But I, I just hope that the Word of God has explained to you that church or the assembly must have authority. And the the assembly is ruled in a loving way by the elders. And Hebrews chapter 13 explains this. Hebrews 13 verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you. All right? You can't get away from that again. Um the, the rule over you there it means uh is of me in om a in Greek. Uh please excuse my Greek. I'm still trying to <laughs> to learn it by looking up the original Greek words. But it says command all right, governor, judge, rule over. Okay, so remember them which have the rule over you, who has spoken unto you the word of God. So with no doubt, that's talking about the elders, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now, let me read a little easier translation of that. It says, remember your leaders, leaders, or elders, those who spoke God's message to you. Those who the elders, that's how you identify it. There's someone who's, who's preaching and they're making sense, and you can understand what they're talking about. Uh, that they're an elder. You need to uh, respect them and obey them. Reflect on the results of their way of life and imitate their trust. Okay? And then it says right here, one of the most popular scriptures I like to quote, Hebrews 13, verse 7, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your lives as people who will have to render an account. So make it a task of joy for them, not one of groaning, for that is of no advantage to you. And keep in mind it says leaders, not leader. It should be not just one head honcho. Like I said, initially that may happen as uh, there is another uh, community of believers or assembly formed, but immediately that leader should start having leaders in training uh, that he trains to also be a leader like him. So it shouldn't be just uh, he should start picking men who are qualified. And I can understand there's no... No one there qualified, but as soon as there's someone that comes there who's qualified, he needs to get him under his wing and, and start training him to be a leader. It should, this is not a one-man show. It should never be a one-man show. Moses didn't want a one-man show. He pleaded to Yah, hey, I need help, and he gave him help. Okay? 
So I just want to clarify that. And also, I need to talk about something that happened uh, at Walmart. On um, And it's despicable, and I'm sick and tired of this, and I know Yah is. If you want proof outside the Bible that is something wrong with the observance of Christmas, then you have it. Um, for some, and this has happened, uh, this is not the first time this has happened, ladies and gentlemen, but there was a report uh, that um, that people were so crazy, and I have to call it what it is, so it lost their minds, basically, to get merchandise, to get uh, stuff that they don't really need, they love someone that they trampled down people and they killed one person and they injured, severely injured or they injured this woman to a point where he had to go to the hospital and she was pregnant all over buying merchandise. Now, Jeremiah chapter 10, whether you believe it or not, reveals the concept of the Christmas tree. And Yah says that it's a pagan custom and that you should not follow it. Christmas is a lie, ladies and gentlemen. Two major lies. The first lie that there's a big fat man that rides on reindeer in the air, and he and he goes into um, <coughs> chimneys in a home, and I can't see how he can fit the chimney. He's so fat, so I don't know how he wiggles his fat uh, body in the chimney. But anyway, he goes and then he, he gives gifts to people. There's no Santa Claus. That's a lie, and that's a false. That's violating the ninth commandment, and and uh, you don't lie. It's not a white lie. It's no good in Christmas. It really isn't when you really think about it. It's deceptive. The second biggest lie, or maybe the first, is that Yeshua was birthed on December 25th. Now, he was conceived, or the Holy Spirit is sperm, because uh, we know that he was conceived uh, uh, miraculously. Uh, met the um, Mary's um, ova connected and became an embryo on the 20 uh, around the 25th of December but as far as being born on December 25th he was not born until around the festival of Sukkot or the tabernacles that's not a bible study but anyway around that time so people had to debate whether it was on the trumpets or the tabernacles I'm not going to go into that but anyway he was he was he was born around uh the fall time September October okay according to the roman calendar so that's not a Bible study. But anyway, um, so he wasn't born in a manger on, in the winter, all right? So those are the two biggest lies of Christmas. And, and, number, you know, and number three, the tree that you worship is a pagan, it's a pagan um, rite, and, and it's something that you shouldn't do. And, and in Jeremiah chapter 10, if you want to read that, I'll read a little bit of it. But we need to... to, to Repent of that. Christmas is not a Christian holiday, folks. And your Bible says that. And here, Jeremiah, and and to end this, Jeremiah 10, verse 1, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel. Verse 2, Thus says the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. Verse 3, For the customs of the people are vain. They're meaningless. And he's going to talk about a most popular custom. You think Yah was not going to talk about Christmas? <laughs> Please, come on. For the customs of the people are vain.
for one cuts up a tree out of the forest, and the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. Come on now, you know this this concept of the Christmas is certainly in this verse. And you have some people say, "Oh, it's not talking about a Christmas tree." Yes, it is. Don't believe that mess. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it moves not. They are upright as a palm tree. Perfect description of a Christmas tree. These be born because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither also is in it. Neither also, neither also is it in them to do good. So, you know, this this chapter is talking about um, the nations and and how people are. Jeremiah ten verse seven: Who would not fear thee, O King of nations? For to thee does it appertain. For as much as among all wise men of the nations and all and all their kingdoms, there is none like unto thee. Verse eight. But they, and this is in the context of a Christmas tree, folks. But they are altogether brutish and foolish. The stock is a doctrine of vanities. So he's talking about how great God is and, and how false the nations are in their customs. Verse 10 of Jeremiah chapter 10. But the Lord is the true God. He's the true God. This is in the context, again, of a, a vain custom of putting up a tree with silver and gold. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble, and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. So let's let's take this serious, ladies and gentlemen. So just wanted to bring that out. You need to repent of celebrating Christmas. It is not a day that, that Yah approves of. And the last scripture, I thought this was going to be the last scripture, but another scripture popped in my mind. God put it in my mind here. Deuteronomy chapter 12, starting to thyself, that thou be not snared by following them after that they be destroyed from before thee, that thou not inquire after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? Even so I will do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God, for every abomination to the Lord which he hates, have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters, they have burned in the fire to their gods. Verse 32. What things soever I command you, observe to do it. Thou shalt not add to it, nor diminish from it. And so we can't say, well, yeah, we just celebrate Christmas because, you know, we, we try to uh, celebrate the birth of Christ and, and uh, we're so appreciative of him. Well, you know, the wise men, they gave gifts to the Messiah. And let me ask you a question. All this gift-giving, are you thinking, one, are you even thinking about giving a gift to the Messiah? No. It's all about giving gifts to other people. So let's, let's cut the, the, the garbage out, folks. Let's cut the garbage out. It's, it's, it's just totally ridiculous. Christmas is really symbolic of the deception of this entire world, ladies and gentlemen. And it also says, hey, where is the true God? Where is the true God? Because the tree is certainly not representing the true God. It's representing the false God. The false God. So let's let's repent of wickedness, folks. Let's repent of fornication in all its forms. It has many forms. Let's repent of homosexuality. That's one of the forms that, that's really permeating um, this society. Of course, pornography has been for a while. 
in this country, uh, and it's just a plague to all kinds of people, no matter what profession you are, what sex you are. It's plaguing many people right now. The Word of God says so, ladies and gentlemen. That's one of the characteristics of the end time. And I have to address this, you know. Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times will come, for men shall be lovers of their own self. That's what fornication does. It's just loving yourself, covetous, boastful, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, the type of affection that, that God wants you to have, truth breakers, false accusers, uh, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heavy, high-minded, lovers of pleasures. And that's what pornography is all about, right? That's what even homosexuality is about. Lovers of pleasure. More than lovers of God. Because homosexuality, again, is fornication. It's, it's, it's one of the several sex sins that are listed in Leviticus chapter 18. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. This is a, a common trait of the end time, ladies and gentlemen. And, and I, I must speak out more about this uh, fornication, not just homosexuality, but other types. Leviticus chapter 18, because this society, especially America and Britain and the countries of Northwestern Europe, are certainly guilty of this abomination. Again, I keep on saying that this is going to be a last scripture, but God wants me to talk about these other scriptures here. And so I'm going to. Ezekiel, he's popping scriptures in my mind. I can't explain how it happens, but he does that. Ezekiel Chapter uh, 16. Let's go there here. Ezekiel chapter 16. If you want a definition of the sins of Sodom, people think it's mostly homosexuality. No, that was one of the sins of Sodom. There's other sins of Sodom that this country is guilty of and, and the countries in northwestern Europe. Uh, modern Israel. Now, you're probably thinking, what, what is he talking about? Well, what you need to do is go to Britam.org, www.britam.org, and, and realize that the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, Canada, the countries in Northwestern Europe, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, they are all geographically Israel, modern Israel today. Remember, Israel consists of 12 tribes, the tribe of Judah, which people identify as a little country in the Middle East, Israel, is just a small part of Israel, really. Israel consists of 12 tribes. Judah, the Jews, uh, is, is the tribe of Judah. Levi merged with the tribe of Judah along with Benjamin. Genesis chapter 49 tells you that there's 12 tribes of Israel. Now, 10 of those tribes were so-called lost. But they're not lost to me, and it won't be lost to you if, if you pay attention to what I'm telling you. Go to Britam.org, www.britam.org, and be enlightened and find out for yourself. With scriptural proof and outside of the Bible proof, historical proof, that the United States and the British Commonwealth of Nations is certainly a significant part of Israel. But anyway, Ezekiel 16, verse 48. As I live, says the Lord God, Sodom, thy sister, have not done she nor her daughters as thou hast done in thy daughters. Verse 19 of Ezekiel chapter 16. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, 
an oversupply of, of food. An abundance of idleness or laziness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination, which sexual abomination is certainly in there before me. Therefore I took them away as I saw good. So those are all the sins of Sodom, is, is pride, uh, overabundance, uh, extreme laziness. Uh, and that can be pictured today by looking at television, porno, um, looking at just entertainment, focusing your whole mind on entertainment all the time, looking at six hours, the average time an American looks at, tele- an American looks at television, I think it's between six and seven hours a day. That's ridiculous. And, of course, um, not strengthening the hand of the poor and either, although we do give. But they're, they're, the problem with this country is that we have the, if, if it's not the widest gap, it's certainly one of the largest uh, gap between the rich and the poor. And so we are guilty of the sins of Sodom, ladies and gentlemen. Not only us, but we certainly participate in it greatly. So, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with that. Um, let's repent of wickedness. Let's flee fornication. Let's not embrace it in all its forms, including spiritual fornication. Spiritual fornication can be uh, part of an assembly or church that you know is teaching false. That's spiritual fornication. And so you need to avoid that as well. And and wicked thoughts of thinking about men or women or whatever, uh, get that out of your mind. Get that out of your mind. It's going to destroy you if you don't. Have clean thoughts. Think about pure things. Think about things that are worthy to be thinking about. Get wicked thoughts out of your mind, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pleading with you to do that. That's the only way you're going to be able to overcome sin. Here's another scripture, (laughs) the final one, Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, what's true? Psalm 119, verse 142 is the all the instructions of God, the entire Bible. Whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Shalom. Peace. God willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the...